Well, praise, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What I can tell you, Sister Servant Norma, I'm going to do my best by way of the Holy Ghost to keep you awake because I'm going to get loud because, you know, we are Sound Alarm Ministries. Me and my wife, that's our ministry. We cry loud and we spare not. <laughs> I'm going to help you, sis. We're helpers one to another. You ain't going to fall asleep on me because I'm going to be loud, loud, loud. I just read into our hearing John, the fifth chapter, the first through the ninth verses. I said the word of the Lord is already blessed and you better believe it is. And all we have to do is be the doer of that word and not just a hearer. Gracious and eternal father, at this time, I humbly come before you just to say thank you. God, I thank you for yet another time, another occasion that we have to come and hear a word from on high. Now, Father, I know that there might be something even in that little interim time that I had from the last time I spoke to you up until now, by thought, word, or deed, I, it must have pleased me in your sight. I need your forgiveness. Now I ask that you open up all hearts, minds, and understand to those that will get a chance that, that are listening right now, but those that are going to come on to the recording, that they can hear a word that will speak to them. And as they hear that word and they incline their ears to hear it, that they become doers of it and not just a hearer. Now I know I am, but I know I Arthur got the decrease, but who you are is the great I am. And much, much more, you must increase. That's why I'm extremely mindful to say, I want the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, to be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in the precious and matchless name of our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to tell you like this, is Yeshua the Christ. I pray with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen, amen, amen. This is as a thought as the Holy Spirit gave it to me this morning, which was 537 a.m. From this particular scripture, as a person thinks. As a person thinks, one of the things that we got to be mindful for in the body of Christ is how powerful our minds are. Matter of fact, the mind is something that is really uh, paramount to our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because we're in a spiritual battle. Once the, the moment that you accept him as personal Lord and Savior in your life, you have been inducted into the army of the Lord and the battle starts right at that particular time. Matter of fact, while you yet getting the words out of your mouth, affirming to the person that's standing before you, if you if you got saved in church, uh, what they tell you to say, uh, you, you are already in warfare because the enemy ain't trying to let that happen. And guess what? It ain't just the enemy on the outside, but it's that enemy on the inside. He ain't trying to give up the authority that he believes he has over our lives. And why is that so? Because that flesh wants what it wants. It has lustful desires. The eyes, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And then here's the biggie, y'all, the pride of life. That's right. The pride of life generates from your mind. Because the Bible says that pride comes before a fall and a haunted spirit, the Lord flat out just despises that thing. So what do we need to do? Well, I'm glad you asked because um, according to what we need to do, it's not going to be something that Arthur just put together on his own. I'm going to do what my mom, my birth mom in the ministry always used to tell me back in Gravel Hill, and I used to try to uh, uh, just let them know that I had picked up something from doing my due diligence. I'm taking you to the Word, because she would say, where's that in the in the Bible, baby? That's how she said it, too, y'all. <laughs> I ain't kidding. Okay, Romans, <laughs> the 12th chapter, and I'm just going to do that second verse, because I told you the warfare is in the mind. So what, what does the Word tell us? Romans, the 12th chapter, the second verse says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer. With his superficial values and customs. But here we go, y'all. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. 
focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. You see, the problem, the, the battlefield happens to be in the mind because the mind houses the soul. And the flesh, in case nobody don't know it, the flesh, that thing can't get saved. It has a destination. The Bible says, from the dust we came, the dust we shall return. That's, that's, that's where it belongs. It, it, it's flesh and blood. Will not, cannot inhabit the kingdom of God. And for those people that might be a little bit confused when Genesis 1.26 says, let us create man in our image. It ain't got nothing to do with no physical. <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do with no physical. The Bible says he's a spirit. And if he's a spirit, then what is his image, Arthur? Well, the word tells us. I'm going to have to go there, y'all. As a man thinks, that's where we are. I'm doing just background, a little uh, foundational before I hit the scriptures. Uh -huh. Genesis 1.26 says, uh, yeah. Then God said, Let us, Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, I love this amplified by watch what's what it says. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. That's the image of God. Let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So here I'm going to show you where the actual uh, image comes in at. We got to go to Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed, that is, created the body. See, he formed and created the body. But life didn't come until what, Arthur? Of man from the dust of the ground. And then watch this. Breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living uh, living being, an individual, watch this, complete in body and spirit. Now, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do something with the King James with that particular verse as well. And the Lord God informed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And man became a living soul. See, the soul is encompassed within the mind. And the mind is where the battlefield takes place. So God says that you come into me, you got to, we know that any man being Christ, he's a new creation according to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But that just doesn't happen instantaneously. It, what has to happen for us is what is known as sanctification. We have to become sanctified. I like saying that, y'all, because when I was growing up, and I wasn't in church. I wasn't reared up in church. But I knew out there on the streets, uh, anytime we ran into somebody that belonged to a sanctified or holiness church, we didn't want no parts of them. Because the first thing they do, they bum rush you with scriptures and trying to witness to you and all this, that, and the other. And we wasn't trying to hear that. At least I wasn't back in them days. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> like, what, what, what you see of me right now and what you know of me right now, oh boy, <laughs> it was a whole lot different back then in the days because I had my mind on something else. It wasn't staying on no Jesus, I can tell you that. But it wasn't really on women either. I was just, but it was on other stuff. Uh, I, ain't, I ain't all that in a bag of chips, but it was on other stuff. And so they would come at you with that stuff and people would be like, man, them holiness and sanctified people. But don't you know in the body of Christ, that is a requirement for us. It's not about being a, a denomination. Sanctification is the process of that allows us to be transformed and changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? I think people really need to understand what, what happens when salvation comes. And I thank, I thank the Lord for the teaching that we got at Gravel Hill. When you get saved, y'all, when you get saved, you are placed in position for salvation. Because the word kind of like makes it plain. I'm going to go King James and Amplified on you. I'm reading Romans 10, 9. And this is what it says in King James. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in the in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, watch this, thou shalt be saved. Now the Amplifier says this, 
for with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable in God. That's salvation. That's salvation right there. Now watch. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly. I'm in the 10th verse. My God, Arthur. Okay, Romans 10, 9. I'm old. It comes in. Lord Arthur, uh, <laughs> help me, Holy Ghost. Verse 9 in the Amplified Bible. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognize his power and authority, that you just can't confess that you just say in the name of Jesus. No, you got to recognize him as Lord because you ain't doing that. You ain't getting no salvation. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Watch this. You will be saved. King James says, shout, uh, emphasize, you will. Guess what that means? That don't mean it's happening right then. That means that it's yet to come. So how does it come? The sixth chapter of Romans is known as the sanctification chapter. It tells you about things that you must go through. And then when you read Romans 12, 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto God, which is your rational, intelligent and, and logical act of in, intelligent act of worship. Intelligent act of worship. Intelligent act of worship. Because many of us think that the worship only takes place when we go into the church, which we have not all been able to do in almost a year and almost going on two years. I know we ain't stepped foot in Bethany Baptist Church in, all, in that amount of time. But your act of worship is not just your physical presence in the body of Christ in the, in the building. Your act of worship is how you live your life. Uh huh. He said, let that light shine forth within you. So that people might see your good works and glorify the Father that's in heaven. That's your intelligent act of worship. He said, live out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I think that was um, Sister Servant Jeanette that said that. Live out your learning. Uh, I believe it was her. That's what we're supposed to be. The LOL. Live out your learning. Because it don't do you a bit of good to have it. And, no, and, no, and no, there's nothing that shows that you really got it. Because a lot of people, what they think is, is that they have it. So they talk a good game. But they don't show nothing. Well, don't, don't be surprised because Jesus back in his day told people, he says, you know what? Y'all people, you hypocrites, honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from it. What was he saying? I don't see no fruits of what you're talking about. <laughs> you can talk all you want to talk. Back in my day, Jane Brown said, you're talking loud and you ain't saying nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. As a person thinks. I mean, let me go on, Arthur. So, yeah, the, the, we, have to, we have to have our mind transformed. And what do we have to do? Because the way of thinking that we had is shaped and formed by the world. And, and, and when we say the world, let's make it plain, y'all. When we come into existence, the first uh, people uh, that we have in contact with generally that shape our minds and our belief system is our parents. Or if you had guardians, however it may be, you had somebody from your youth and they start shaping and molding your, your belief system. Uh, until you get to an age where you start to, you know, interject your own, you're, you're being trained. And that's why the Bible says train up a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. For he may not, he may just go away, stray away every now and then, but he won't depart. That ain't normally what happens with everybody, families in, you know, that when they're raising up their children. But so that's why I'm pointing out your belief systems are shaped and formed by those that are rearing you in your early formative years. And so therefore, uh, as you grow older and older, once you get to that age of maturity, you've locked in some things that you think you know. This is one thing about change, y'all. Change is not something that can be done overnight. It, it has to be repetitive. So sometimes when you be sitting up there and you're saying, you know what, that preacher preached that message last Last week, he preached it the week before. What's going on here? He's trying to effectuate change. 
or she is trying to effectuate change because you have to come at a person over and over and over again for their for that mind of theirs to say wait a minute they keep saying something here i i know this already but it's like that that that, that judge that he had to deal with that widow he was an unjust judge. He had to deal with this widow that wanted to bring something uh, to her, his attention because she was being dealt with wrongly. And that, that unjust judge says, I had better pay attention to her and try to hear her. Or she comes here and vex my soul. You know, could, That means that she's going to keep coming and coming and coming until he heard her case. That's what we do when we're trying to effectuate change. The word going to keep coming and coming and coming until you say, aha, I think I see something here. Then that's when change starts to begin the process of, of, of making itself manifest. So, yeah. So, let's go to John, that fifth chapter. I think I sufficiently set that thing up. <laughs> John, the fifth chapter, the first verse says this. Later on, there was a Jewish festival, a feast of festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, you know, this, people have to understand that in the Bible, the Jewish people, they had a lot of festivals. A lot of them were set up by uh, the, uh, the great I am, Yah, Jehovah. And people misinterpret, the, I think, the reason why those feasts were set up. Because a lot of, some people today believe we ought to be incorporating them within what we do. I don't think so. Now, what, what I believe from looking at the word is that when he was establishing those things, he was doing it for a specific reason. He was trying to get some people that did not know nothing about him whom he had chosen from, from they weren't nobody y'all they was just indescript people that he and ran well he didn't randomly chose anybody because he always does things with purpose we have to realize how he did it we may not understand it because what Arthur Isaiah 55 8 for my thoughts <laughs> not your thoughts neither are your ways my way says the Lord O Elohim so he chose them and what he had to do was he had to train them so they can learn how to be what Arthur be holy why? Because he's holy. So he had to train them and get their mindset to receive an instruction and always relying upon him. So he set up all these feasts and things of that nature just for them to be reminded of what they had and, and, and where they came from. So uh, 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 that's a good thing for us to remember that, but we don't need to have no feast. All we got to do is think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for us. And guess what? Your soul ought to cry out, hallelujah. If you ain't got nothing else to say, you better thank God for saving you. I know there's much more, but that's what I'm just a saying. So, yeah. So, so Jesus was, a, he said that he came, he didn't came to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. So he went up to the feast with him. <laughs> and then the second verse is now in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, there is a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Jewish, Aramaic, Bethesda, having five porticos and all coals and, and colonnades. Now, one thing about the Bible, when they describe a certain thing, they're very specific in detail. My, my, my wife tells me I'm a detail man because I ask specific questions about something because I want some details about something. I just don't take something that people throw out there and then it's, you know, and I just rubber stamp it and amen it. No, if it leaves a question in my mind, I'm not going to question everything, but I'm like Mary. Some things you need clarity on and it's better for you to ask as opposed to sit there and just receive it and then in your mind, you're saying, ah, guess what that creates? Doubt. And what happens when you when you allow doubt to set in on? Well, after doubt, you start to have some fear about something. And when you have fear about it, there goes your faith. That's why the word, the, the message this morning is as a person thinks. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that's what was happening. Verse three. 
In the porticos lay a great number of people who were sick, blind, lame, withered, dwelling, uh, waiting for the stirring of the water. Now, from I just, I just read this scripture. The Spirit was speaking to me that you know what? In certain places that we're going to have uh, uh, in our in our in our, in the world, there's going to be people that are that are designated to be in certain places at a certain time. You know, like the hospitals, the nursing homes. I'm going to say, from by the way of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that this would be people that we have in hospitals and in because there's a great number of people that were sick, blind, lame, and withered. That's a, that's like a nursing home. And the reason why I say that, because me and my wife spent some time for four or five years prior to the pandemic and some other crap that happened at that nursing home. We were ministering there every week. And we would come up there on our own when we weren't assigned to be there just to go there and, and just interact with the people. Because here's the truth, y'all. And this is a sad statement. There are many people that are in nursing homes and they don't get visits from nobody. Not a single person. And you know how bad that is? Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Let me go to Matthew, the 25th chapter. And I'm starting at that 31st verse, and I'm going to work my way down. And I'm I'm not going to say too much about it, because all I have to do is just read it. And I know you're going to see what I'm talking about. And particularly when we talk about being saved. Well, here's what South, you know, you know, uh, Tina Turner said, what, what does love have to do with? Love has everything to do with. It's all about salvation. Now, watch what happens when you love people, y'all. Um, let me, you know, let me start at the third. And yeah, yeah, I got time. I'll go to the 31st verse. Um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and imagine all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him for judgment and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. Now, when they say all nations, he's talking about all people, um, sinner and saint alike. Uh-huh. Uh, verse 33, and he will put the sheep on his right, the place of honor and the goats on his left. The place of dejection. Mm-hmm. 34. Then the king will say to those who on his right, Come, you blessed of my father, you favored of God, appointed to eternal salvation, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It wasn't done when he just left the disciples and said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. My wife has this saying that we're putting on, I'm, she don't know it, I'm putting this thing on the t shirt. Walk into the already. <laughs> yeah, it's already done, y'all. Things that we asked the Lord for today and you think he just gave it to you today? No, no, sir. No, ma'am. That was already given to you in, et- in eternity. <laughs> in the spirit realm, it was already there. I got a cousin in San Antonio, Texas. that has a book that says, are you arresting your blessings? Are you waiting on God or is he waiting on you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For I was hungry, verse 35, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me with help and ministering care. I'm going to say that again. I was I was sick and you visited me with help and ministering care, not just a drive-by to go into a nursing home or a hospital and say, how you doing, brother, sister? I'm not going to be with you, but no. Okay. All right. I was in prison and you came to me. Ignoring personal danger. Uh-huh. We had prison ministry at Gravel Hill. I know what I'm talking about. Then the righteous will answer him. 37. Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? 38. And when do we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? 39. And when do we see you sick 
when president come to come to you. Now watch what verse 40 said. The king will answer and say to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least, these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it for me. And then he, and then he would, that, that's it. I'm going to go, because the other one from 41 to 45 contrasts the people that did with the people that didn't. And the ultimate uh, the, um, end of it all is the people that were on the right, the, the, the sheep, they got into heaven. The people on the left, the ghosts who didn't do that, they went to hell. See, that's what causes us not to go to go to heaven and hell. Because what, what drives that? It's love. It's love. And as a man thinks, oh, my Lord, let me get back to John. So that's what was happening. We got these. Verse 4. Mm -mm -mm. For an angel of the Lord went down into the pool or at appointed seasons and stirred up the water. The first one to go in after the water was disturbed, was healed with his, of his disease. Now, here's something that the Holy Spirit just gave me as I was reading that. This is the angel of the Lord. Don't you know that a pastor is considered to be an angel of the house that he pastors, that she pastors? And then, now and then, what should happen for you and what should be happening right now? Now, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put it to you this way. At this particular point in time, I would be the angel of the house because I'm facilitating. And what am I doing? I'm stirring up the waters. And how am I doing it, Arthur? With the word. So right now, all you have to do, if you listen to the word and you appropriate the word, and the Bible says to them that believe all things are possible. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, healing is there for you right now. I don't need to come and slap you on the head and, 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 and make you fall out and say you are healed. But the word of God will, will do that. The Bible says he sent his word to do what, Arthur? To heal them. All you have to do is receive what thus saith the Lord and your healing is right in the word because I'm speaking into existence because why as a man as a person thinks the rest of the, sub the subject goes so he is I just left it like that so that you can just you know okay mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay all right so here we go verse 5 says there was a certain man there had been ill for 38 years Lord Jesus help me Holy Spirit just think about that y'all a certain man being ill for 38 years just be just I mean just think of it Year after year after year, you got this debilitating illness that's that's you know this wearing you out. And I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care if you have a position in the church. But don't you know at times, especially at times like this pandemic, where we seem to have a lot of time to to, to, to do hardly really do nothing uh, at the early onset, and even may now because this thing seems to be recycling itself, where we don't we're not able to go out and interact with people like we were. We're not able to associate with one another in the in the fellowship of the uh, of the saints, which is more important. That's it. I spoke about this with some churches on, on, on Facebook Live, and I made a point that, you know what? This pandemic ought not be handicapping the body of Christ the way it seems to be doing. So God gave us certain power and authority in Genesis to speak over anything, anything. He, gave, he ain't revoked that from us. We still have it. We just don't know how to use it. Not only do we not know how to use it, the reason we can't use it because we're dysfunctional in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, I ain't never seen, well, I have seen such nonsense before because I see it in my family like that, and you probably see it in yours. But that ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, we're going to always have differences with one another because we're, we're different. We have our idiosyncrasies and our personalities. But the Bible says that what we're supposed to be able to do is come and reason together. Why is that so? Because there is not the intent of, of the Holy One, the Most High, for the family to be broken up. Disagreements and dis, 
that's not break up, but that's the way we've done it. And for the in the African American community, I think I understand why we do it. Some of us don't know why we're doing it, but let me tell you, in the year 1619, uh, there was a group of uh, of uh, Anglo-Saxon uh, uh, male Caucasian landowners that made their way over to West Africa. And when they went over there, they found some tribal leaders that had been in war with some other uh, uh, tribes, and they convinced them to sell them the slaves, and they put them on boats and brought them over what is known as the Middle Passage. And by the time that boat those boats touched the shores of Virginia in the colony of Virginia, before that boat even docked, they took that man outside of that, took him away from his family, and to this very day, the man, the African-American male, has not been got, been able to get back to his family. And don't you know when you separate the head, the body will fall? The body, Jesus Christ told his disciples, he told the people, he says, when they were trying to call him Beelzebub because of what he was doing, he said, first off, what, who are your sons? They're doing stuff too. But he said, if I'm Beelzebub, think about it like this. The work that I'm doing, that ain't a Beelzebub. A house divided, it cannot stand. He just wasn't talking about himself. He's talking about the relationship of family. He's talking about the body of Christ. The Bible says there are many members in the body of Christ, many different various parts. One part can't say they're better than the other. I don't need you and this, that, and the other. Because why? They work jointly. They're jointly fitted together. They work hand in hand to form one body. The body of Christ is not operating as it should. I've been talking to people all over the world about this thing. And then in Africa, they're really not understanding about these African-Americans here. Why do they don't want to connect up with us? I said, I know. Because they've been told, first off, that there's no connection between you and us. Why? Because we weren't born on the continent of Africa. I know that, but we're talking about your genealogy, your history. That's one thing people have to understand, particularly about the Bible as well, because you got New, Christ New, New Testament Christians. They can't relate to the Old Testament, but they don't understand. The Old Testament is the history. It tells you that there's somebody that's coming named Messiah. And then when you get into the New, the New says he's here. So how are you going to know he's here if you don't know he was coming? You can't. What we have to understand is, guys, is that if you don't know your history, you're clueless about your present. And guess what? You will never get to your future because your past and your present, it launches you into your future. Your past situation is when Romans 5, 8 says, and God clearly proves his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was our former estate. Our present is that we're saved, but, but we're not yet saved. We're being saved. And guess what? My closing benediction says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's sinning and present you faultless. That's blameless before the presence of his glory with seeding joy. So what am I saying? In order to get to that part right there, you got to come from being a sinner, which is your past, to the present, to being saved, and to, to the future, that glorified body. So I don't understand this nonsense. I'm 69 years old and I've been fighting this thing my entire life. I don't, I'm tired. I'm, I'm telling you, people that call themselves black Americans, something wrong with that picture. Something wrong with that picture. I'm sorry. I've never called myself black American. Why? That's a color. That's a color. My identity ain't tied to no color. See, that's a subtle trick of the enemy. Because if you don't know where you came from, if you don't have no identity, then they just tell you anything. We've, we've allowed that to happen so much so that we run around here and don't know who we are and the people that we, you know what they do. The images they project to us about Africans, it's like Tarzan movies. 
they walking around there with them little loincloths and they're following Juana while he running around going, oh, the animals and the people are running behind him and they walking around with spears. That ain't the story of Africa, y'all. There's some educated folks over there. They got way more education than what we got. They know that word. They're strong and thirsty for the word. I'm just saying, let me get back to where I was, but I had to do that. Lord, help me, Holy Spirit. Mm -mm -mm. My Lord. Yeah, so that's 38 years. That man was sick. First six says when Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless. Knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Now, let me do that from the King James as well. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case, he saith unto him, will thou be made whole? Now, now what is this telling us? The man has been coming to this pool or being brought to this pool for 38 years and waiting for the, I mean, the, the water had been troubled by the angel that came down. He had people bring him there, but he didn't get no further than the base of that pool where all he had to do was roll in there. He would have got healed, but he didn't. So Jesus saying, listen, I know you've been in this situation for a long time. Something is wrong with this picture. Uh, so let me ask you the question. Will you be made whole or, or what is it, Arthur? Or will you, do you want to get well? Now, note what he did not say. He did not say, do you want to be healed? He did not say, do you want to be healed? Because you know what? You can have healing. And you know what? Angels don't have to come down to do that. Healing could have came, you know, when they say Isaiah by your stripes, by his stripes that we're healed, that's a good scripture that people use for physical healing, but that's not the intent of the original intent for that scripture. It was all about not physical, but spiritual healing. He had to come down here so that we can have spiritual healing because why? Somebody had to die for the mess that we got ourselves in from Adam. And it could not have been God because God is pure and holy. He couldn't have died on the cross for us. But what he did was say, you know what? I'm going to come down here looking like y'all. I'm going to live a life like y'all except for one thing. It's going to be without sin. The reason why it's without sin is I got in taking all the sins that ever was committed in the past. I got to take them while I'm walking around here on this earth for 33 years. But I'm also taking them for them years to come. 2021 right now, he took in all our sins on that day on the cross. And that's why he said, Father. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? God didn't forsake his son, y'all. The Bible says he never leaves nor forsakes us. And I know you know Numbers 23, 19. He don't lie. What happened was is that in his spirit, in his flesh, in his, in his spirit, man, he, Jesus never knew. He never knew a separation from the Father. But guess what? Sin separates us from God. Sin takes us away from him. You know how it is when you mess around and you, let's say we, let's say we were sinning. And you now backslidden, backslidden. Let's say backslidden. When you backslide away from the from the will and and the intent and purpose of God, what do you what do we tend to do? We tend to get ghosts. Number one, that's what we tend to do. We get quiet. You know, we don't read our word. We don't pray like we used to. That's separation right there. That's separation. So 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 Jesus wanted to know, man, what are you doing? You've been here a long time. And then watch what happened. And when, and and then what did he say in verse seven? Now, this is key right here. As a man thinks, watch what this invalid said. Now, I'm going to go verse, let me go, let me go do uh, King James. The impotent man, man, answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. 
to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step is down before me. Let me go to this amplified. The invalid answered, Sir, I have no I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Now this is a strange thing to me in this in this scripture. And the man I don't see them identifying him as being impotent or invalid. But you know what? That's how he saw himself. You know why he saw himself that way? Because for 38 years he was on that bed of affliction. And when you sit around there and allow yourself to be uh, uh, on a certain thing for a long time, it says a person thinks. That's why I'm adamant in telling anybody, don't you let yourself get isolated. I don't care how much faith you got. I don't care how much words you read. I don't care how many tongues you can speak in. If you allow yourself to operate in a state of isolation, and guess what? You can be in isolation and be around people. And be around people still be in isolation. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that you, when you internalize things and keep it to yourself, that's isolation. And guess what? When you do that, you keep put, that stuff is germinating in within your body. That thing grows, y'all. And when it grows, it presents itself as a whole different entity. And before long, you start to believe exactly what it is that's internalizing within you. Don't you know that a lot of the sicknesses and illness that we have is not based upon something actually happening? It's what we think is happening to us. It's what we think that happens to us. Matter of fact, they call people hypochondriacs. I do believe that's a term for people that do stuff like that. But you know, a lot of us do. We wake up in the morning and we and we start feeling a certain pain. Say, oh, there goes my arthritis. Oh, there it is. Well, yeah, you're right. There it is. Why? You just spoke that thing into existence. <laughs> the Bible says we can speak things into existence as though they were. <laughs> we got that, that we got that kind of power. But we don't use it the right way. I'm just saying. So the man was, he saw himself as an impotent and an invalid. But watch what Jesus said in that eighth verse. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. So what was Jesus saying? You've been sitting around here waiting for the angel of the Lord to come down and stir up the water. Well, let me tell you, I am he that has come down to stir up the water. That's what you, that Yeshua the Christ came to do. He came to stir up the water. You better believe he did because them Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of his day, the Jewish folk, they, they didn't like what he was doing because he was doing things that, that was contrary to what they were doing. They were running around in the neighborhoods and all the places that they could go to and they had the best they had the best vestiges on and 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 they was dressed well and people saw them coming and they knew they was coming because they generally had an entourage probably had security and all of that and the strange thing about it they were they were in no better condition than the people were because they were all under roman rule and subjection but the romans allowed them to walk around like that because you know what if they want to act like that they they don't obviously they must discount that law that they're keepers of because again the bible says pride becomes before a fall. That's pride right there, y'all. So Jesus came down. He was lowly. He was a carpenter. He just walked around among people. He ate with tax collectors. He ate with prostitutes. He didn't do what they did. You know, he wasn't like that that uh, Pharisee that was in the temple. And he, he was praying. But then there was another man he saw over there praying that was a Republican. And he was all bent down and on, on you know, face down in worship. And that that that, that uh, Pharisee said, I'm glad I'm not like that publican over there, that sinner. But that sinner recognizing who he was says, he said, you know, Lord, you know, he praying and he doing the right thing. Because first you have to acknowledge who you are before you can even get anything from the Lord. That's another thing, y'all, that that uh, come, let us go boldly to the throne of grace. Mm, it's real good for you to do that, but you had better know how to come. Boldly don't mean that you come disrespectful. 
Mary, Martha and Mary, the story of Martha and Mary, I use that a lot because Martha bum-rushed Jesus when she found that he was back in Bethany because of his brother that had, had her brother had was sick that she sent messages to and Jesus didn't come right away. Uh, but, but he was now dead, so she wanted to go in a costume. She said, Master, if you had been here, surely my brother would not have died. Now, when Mary got word from Martha that Jesus was looking for her, she got up and guess what? People went with her. That's, that's a message right there. She got to him and she did what, Arthur? The Bible said when she got to Jesus, he was in the very same spot that Martha met him at. When Mary got there, she bowed down and worshiped and said the same thing that Martha said. And Jesus groaned in his spirit because of her and those that were around her. And he said, where did you take? Would you take him? Where, where is he? And then he went on. Then you get to that 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 thirty fifth verse. I believe I do believe that's what it is. Where the shortest Bible, the word, uh, the shortest uh, verse in the Bible, John eleven, I believe thirty five is Jesus wept. Jesus did not move. He was not moved physically. He was not moved emotionally until worship happened. Martha bum rushed him. Folks in the throne of grace, you better come in and acknowledge who he is before you start begging for stuff. All right, I'm almost done. And then watch what happened immediately. That's verse 9. The man was healed and recovered his strength. Now watch this. And picked up his pallet and walked. You see, as a man thinks, y'all, this man's healing was not waiting. It was not dependent upon him coming down to that pool, somebody putting him in. Because you know what he said? He said they was wait, he was waiting on people to put him in. But then he said, when I was coming to get into it myself, I said, what you say? You mean to tell me that you actually had the ability to get in there yourself? That's what I'm reading. I'm in King James. Let me read that. The potent man answered, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. So he waited for somebody to put him in. But watch this. To put me in the pool. But watch what he said. But while I'm coming, another step is down before me. He had the ability to get, if he just rolled into it, he still had the ability to get in there. But he never got in. He was waiting on somebody. But then he was like, vacillating like I, i'll go no i'm waiting i'll go i'll wait i'll know i'll go that's why people stepped over him he was indecisive and and, and guess what a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways jesus brought stability to him he said get up take up your pallet and walk and the bible says immediately why because the man believes as a person thinks that's what believing is all about you got to think that thing to believe it if you're not thinking that it's going to happen, guess what? It won't work for you. Many times Jesus went out into the region to heal people, but he couldn't because they wouldn't believe. So here's the thing. We have to start incorporating what the spirit of the living God has given us and, and what Jesus left for us, which is the Holy Spirit. And, and if we allow what we have within us, which is uh, the faith and belief in him, then guess what? All things are possible for what, Arthur? To them that believe. So the message is, as a person thinks. Thank God for the word. Once again, his word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Amen, amen, amen. I'll tell you what. Welcome to the Sacrificial Praise Line. This is Brother Servant Stuart. Uh, son, Arthur L. Arthur Lee Weathersby, I better say the whole thing, <laughs> Arthur Lee Weathersby, I'm the facilitator for the day. Uh, did anyone enter the sacrificial praise line that I need to know about it right about now? Okay, well, no one did. Does anybody have any comments they would like to make at this time?
Praise the Lord. Well, you know, Sister Shaw, I'm going to tell you, this ain't like time I had this under my hat for a long time. I saw this a couple of weeks ago when I was reading. Let me tell you what's happened. I've been getting people requests from my Facebook page, and they're asking me, once I do a friend request, they want me to minister to them. So I had this group in Pakistan that I was ministering to, and I didn't know they were going to have a translator. They had a translator. So while he's translating the scripture, I use this very same scripture. That's why I said that I've done this before. I use the very same scripture, and I'm looking at the scripture while he's translating, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, whoa, that man, that man put himself in that position in his own mind. He might have had some physical ailment, something, but not to be an invalid and be impotent. And I said, you know what? That's what happens with us. Remember, there's a scripture where the, the uh, I think it was a young, it was a man that had a, a child that was sick. And, um, and Jesus told him, if you believe all things are possible, that man said, I believe, help my unbelief. So here's the thing about this, y'all. We, 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 some of us in the body of Christ, we perpetrate frauds. We act like we know everything that we're supposed to do, particularly if we've been in the faith a long time. We've been under great teaching and all of that, so we got it under our belt. No, we don't, because there's some tinge of unbelief in all of us. Because if it were, if it were not so, we'd be complete as far as the Lord is concerned. But we're not, because some things, you know how it's so. When some things that we have some belief in, like for instance, if we have certain types of things that we were doing before we were saved, we gave that up, then we had the belief in that. But there's some things we're holding on to. That means we don't have the full belief that we need to have to relinquish that thing so we can be made whole. And that's why I, so, I like the way he said, he didn't say heal, because you know what? There was that uh, uh, centurion who sent some servants that, that he had, Jewish servants from his house, to go and petition Jesus on behalf of another Jewish servant that he had because the man was sick and he needed healing. So he told them to go. And as they were making their way back, he sent another one and said, you know what, don't come. Don't come because I know you are a man of authority. You don't have to come. I'm a man of authority myself. If I tell somebody to do something, they do it. All you got to do is speak your word. And what did Jesus say? I ain't never, I ain't never, I have yet to see any kind of faith of anyone in Israel than what the centurion is saying. So what did he say? The Bible says that as soon as he spoke and Jesus spoke, that, that servant was healed. And here's why I say about that Isaiah when people talk about by his stripes that we're healed. Please listen to me. There's no way in God's creation that he would have put himself through what he put himself through if all we would need to do was have some physical healing. He could have spoke that from heaven as he did when he said, let there be and light came forth. I'm sorry. And that, that, I know it's, I know that what we can applicate, we can apply it, but it ain't the main thing. The main thing, we were physically, we were spiritually sick. Matter of fact, let me take you to the word. Let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter. In that first verse, I'm going to read both, Amplified and King James, um, just for, you know, cross-reference. Ephesians 2.1 says in that King James, And you have been quickened who were dead in trespassing and sin. Now I like what it says in the Amplified, watch this. And you, he made alive, watch this, when you were spiritually dead and separated from him. Because of your transgressions and sin. We were spiritually dead, mortally wounded, mortally sick, spiritually and in order for him to do what he needed to do, he said the ways of sin was death. And he told man, when, and when you eat from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you will surely die. So what did he have to do? He had to come back here and resurrect us from that death life that we had. That death life was that we were separated from him or we were alive in the flesh, but we had no life with God. 
Jesus came to bring that to us, and along with that, he had to spiritually heal us because it was a spiritual, it was a spiritual condition that caused us to be spiritually dead. That which is flesh is flesh. But the spirit, he couldn't, he couldn't speak that down from heaven because he proclaimed what had to happen. Somebody got to die for these sins. So he said, with his love, with his love. There's billions upon billions of people on the earth now. So you count off all the people that's ever been on this earth. All has sinned, come short of the glory of God. He says, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to have what I have that relationship with me that they once had in the beginning. Uh-oh, Arthur, what you say in the beginning? Yeah, I said it. Uh, in the beginning, it's not Genesis. It would be Jeremiah 1.5 when he says, <laughs> before I form you in the womb, I knew you. Before and I knew you improved and chose you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you and set you apart. As, read the scripture, Arthur, because I'm mixing up my translation. Jeremiah 1 5. Uh, I like to say 1 4 so you know who's talking. He's speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. So as he was speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah, who be the scribe for this particular uh, uh, book, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me. He spoke directly to Jeremiah, saying, Five, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Now understand this. Everything that emanates in creation, guess where it comes from? The mind of Yah Jehovah. That's why the power, the power that he's given us is similar because we're creating his image and likeness. So where does our where does actions, our things come from? It comes from our mind, which emanate from our heart. So I got that about a couple of weeks ago myself, sis. And when I saw it, I said, oh, my God. And it, it, it just resonated. It resonated because we have the ability to do things, but we regulate ourselves to what we can't do because our mind, what you tell yourself, if you keep telling yourself you can't, guess what? You will not. And here's another message. Get away from people that got negative. All they do is speak negativity. They help fuel that thought for you. You don't need that. Them somebody you need to separate. All right, one more time. Good morning. Welcome to the Sacrificial Praise Line. Who entered that may want to introduce himself at this time? If not, we're going to close out today. Sister Anita. I would. Good morning. We gonna, I'm praying for you, Sister Anita, because that seems to be a problem. <laughs> Anyway, anybody, no, don't worry about it, sis. I'm technologically challenged. I'm just messing with you because it happens to me like that. Well, no, in other ways, it happens to me like that sometimes. Anybody else? Let's say good morning, Sister Anita. Good morning. You got a cage because you was, you was trying so hard, and he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek after him. You can either comment or give your praise report at this time, sis. <laughs>